Hello, everybody. Thank you for returning. My name is Khadija Ali Coleman, and this is our inaugural virtual teach-in. I'm very excited to introduce you to our next speaker. Um, she is, um, I'm going to allow her to tell you who she is and what she does. Her name is Malika, and I am thrilled that she is with us today. So Malika, I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell the people who you are before we move to our uh, question, our teaching question that you're going to respond to. Okay, thank you so much for Khadija for having me in the space. Thank all of you for being here today. Much appreciated. Um, as Khadija says, my name is Malika, uh, last name Diggs. Uh, first and foremost, I'm a parent. I'm a black parent. I'm a black mama parent. And I have two daughters who are in their tweens and teens. Feels like they're in their 20s. Uh, but that's where we are. We are an unschooling family, so we do not follow a, curricul a curriculum. It is about them guiding themselves through the learning process and me supporting them along with my partner along the way. We have, um, we have been unschooling. Uh, for me, unschooling has been a part of my entire life because it is about disrupting systems. It's about allowing yourself to see what's being presented in front of you and giving yourself space to question what is happening and deciding for yourself and as a family collective if this is going to be the right path for you. So for us, this journey of initially as home education that just kind of really journeyed throughout this entire time to become unschoolers. So it is about our full liberation the wholeness of not just my young people, but also us as a collective. And that's really what we focus on as a family because of all the different things that have happened for me personally as a product of the public school system and then having children and having certain cycles being returned and seeing that some of the harmful practices that I was a part of knowingly and some of them I learned over time that were harmful practices have yet again showed up. And now my daughters would have to be in the face of that. And that wasn't something I could do. And throughout that journey, which is a whole other story, uh, that became the catalyst, the seed for me creating a space that is centered on Black, Indigenous people of color who wish to explore learning that is outside of compulsory education, a way that allows you to really gain insight into the practices that you as a child embraced and took in or indoctrinated to, and how that shows up in our parenting practice and our expectations around what learning is and even how learning happens. Uh, so those aspects for me became the seed of me creating my own business, Eclectic Learning Network, that focuses on supporting families by POC-centered uh, that really explore pathways to learning that are outside of what I call schoolishness and really embraces what partnership parenting looks like because we've grown so accustomed to exploring parenting from a place of child parent where many times children are viewed as objects to possess or we live vicariously through them and my work is to disrupt those when they show up not to eradicate them but to know and acknowledge and be aware so that we can call that out when we see it because for me that's what learning is whether you want to call it homeschooling unschooling 
whether it's K through 12 in a brick and mortar, for me, it's all living. We're trying to figure out how to live as people. And there's no way to segment that. Um, but we've gotten so used to this compartmentalized idea around how we engage ourselves, how we engage learning, which is tethered to every single thing we do. And whether you're watching this from a space of considering not sending your kids back to school if they were previously enrolled, it's a moment to de-school ourselves because we cannot step into this with this belief that as long as we change the name, that everything else is going to be the same. It's going to be a calling to go within, to sort out what is showing up for you and how that relates and how that is perceived by our young people. So my work as ELN, I work with families and I also work in schools because I am not anti-school as, as an idea. I am anti the system in which school was founded upon. And if I'm really thinking about racial equity, if I'm centering to ensure that young people's voices, especially black and brown voices are heard, I don't care what methodology or pathway they take. I am advocating for them to the best of my ability. So I will hold listening sessions. I will hold workshops with teachers and educators to explore how curriculums are overtly and covertly biased. Um, how the language that's being used is very much rooted in in individuals conditioning around how young people should be perceived or believed when they are saying things. So for me, my work is all encompassing and in short, it really is about living. So that is such a, um, that's a lot that you are, <laughs> that's a lot that you are managing um, and, 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 and doing in addition to, um, to parenting and including your children in the process. And so I, I wanna pose the question, the teaching question that we have, um, when we are thinking about barriers to access for black families who are choosing to homeschool or home educate, um, because I don't want to say homeschool and to leave out what you have just described as self-directed learning, unschooling. So as mm -hmm. a, a black family homeschooler, I mean, home educator, excuse me, what are some barriers to access taken into consideration mm -hmm. all of the things that you've already shared? Mm. There's so many barriers and, you know, many of the barriers start from inside. You know, we've grown accustomed to believing that certain things are not for us. Or when we're looking at home education as an umbrella term, right, because there are many things that, many pathways that fall under home education. No one should ever feel that they have to be centered in this one methodology. It's going to show up and be curated solely and exclusively for what is best for your family. So that can look so many ways. So even those who are questioning, what does a typical day look like? That is an opportunity. You are given a blank canvas. And sometimes when we speak about, liber when we speak about liberation, that blank canvas is daunting because then you are in a position to create what that would look like. But in that creation, there are gonna be falls, there are gonna be hits, there are gonna be misses. But that for me is also the beauty of what learning is. 
sometimes we have to fall in order to understand how to go and not just concentrating on the end game, but the journey to get there. And when we speak about barriers, again, those barriers are going to start from within. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not a certified teacher, so I cannot. Or uh, possibly, how will I be able to measure what my young person is learning? Or a, just a number of questions that show up. What about college? What about, what about? And when I hear those questions that are seemingly barriers, right? But they're, they're an, it's an opportunity to pivot, to say, let's step back and think about this. If we're using the example of what about college for our young person, how early in our young people's lives are we thinking about that thought? Sometimes our young people don't even have walking down yet. And you, we, right, are thinking about college, post-secondary learning. We haven't even gotten into pre-K and we're thinking about 17, 18 years down the line. If current times could show anything, it's that none of those thoughts matter right now. Not a one. Post-secondary, uh, secondary and elementary spaces everywhere have to sit down and sort out the fact that what they created, one, was never for us. Two, what they created is not something that is sustainable. It's not sustainable. And these current times reflect that. So they have to sit down and sort that out. I don't know. It's either reform or abolition, right? <laughs> I lean towards abolition for myself. This has been going on for a couple of hundred years. I'm not hopeful, but I want to be hopeful. When you, so when you those talk, barriers show up deeply. You, you, I, I want to ask, so when you talk about sorry. reform, you're talking about reforming the school system as it is or abolition in the sense of pushing back against that and freeing ourselves and our children yes. from that system. Okay. Yes. Yes. You know, so it could talk, like reform in the sense of, okay, this is what we have. How can we really look at this, dismantle it, and create it in a way that is equitable, that all young people involved, all parents, all those bridges that are either broken, never existed, the gaps between all of the roles and responsibilities that it currently exist in education, how can we bridge those? So is there a way and are there people who are about that most definitely but then we have this other side that says i'm tired with a capital done how are we going to explore learning how are we going to hold space for our family our liberation we cannot control what's happening outside of us but we surely can control our thoughts how we engage the space to critically think the space to call on and what I like to say is call into the space when we are seeing something that we know. We don't need to have any kind of doctrine to, to validate our feelings. We feel it. Mm -hmm. We know it's wrong, but we don't have all the words for it. That doesn't matter. That's all you need to know is that it doesn't feel okay within you. That's an opportunity to push past those barriers, to see what's out there. And many times we just get so rooted and comfortable 
in just doing our routine. It doesn't even matter sometimes how harmful that routine is. It's the fact that we know it. We can kind of prepare for the baggage where for me, we're just afraid to push that envelope to Mm -hmm. see what's on the other side. But the reality of it for me is what's on the other side of fear is more fear with greater awareness. It's not about being fearless. We're all going to have fears in some way, but how can we tap into those fears as a pivot to uplift ourselves, to push against the grain of what we've been told, to stand up in the face of adversity and say, you know what, this is what our family needs. This is what our community needs. So those barriers, some of them are physical barriers and some of them are very much deeply internal barriers that are just implanted in us to say we are not supposed to, we're boxed in. When I think about schoolishness, I say schoolishness and not school because the mindset extends well outside of those four walls and that desk that young people sit in. That is an indoctrinated idea that stretches well outside of that. And what happens with many parents, regardless of their color, is that they become marionettes to a system, which proves that the system works, that you don't need to be in school to be about school, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So in that, so you're saying that, um, and an example would be that even taking your child out of school, saying that you are homeschooling, you are replicating in that space what you, so rather than do that, what you are um, saying is necessary is to push back, um, push through that programming that uses that model as an ideal for schooling. And instead focusing on that, those intuitive feelings we have on what feels right Mm -hmm. um, to break through, to truly get to what it is about how we learn and what we learn. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. Yes, definitely. And I can say for myself, when I first started this journey, school at home, I was relentless, y'all. And I'm I'm being real plain and clear with you because I want you to understand that this has been a journey. I had a strong setup, six days a week, schooling, like five to six hours a day. I'm telling you, I was relentless. And my wake-up call was that I realized that my children were no longer looking at me as a source of comfort and support as their mother, but solely a teacher. And I lost that component within them. Yes, could they read by a certain age? Could they do, you know, maths? Was all of that fine? Yeah, sure, it was fine. But our relationship, because I'm thinking about my own childhood, my relationship with my parents, my ability or confidence to come to them with things that are plaguing me. I did not want to create that same harmful cycle. And I had to choose in that time, am I looking at learning as an idea of something to follow and adhere to, to support a Eurocentric ideal? Or am I really about learning as a whole? And that doesn't mean you always have to have all the books. Some of the best messages I've ever received were never in books, y'all. Never in books. And 
it doesn't mean that books don't have their value because for sure that they do, but learning is all encompassing. It happens everywhere you go. There is always a learning opportunity, but we get so rooted in learning has to look a certain way. What and when it, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. What stands out is that you are even sharing that after your decision to pull your children out of or not put them in traditional schooling, you still went through an evolution of thought when it came to this practice and moving outside of this paradigm of what schooling. So your homeschool practice has evolved or has shifted or changed over the years. For sure. Yeah, for sure. There is, I mean, because we're all growing, right? We're all evolving and no different than that first time you become a parent, you and that young person are on the same page. Neither one of y'all know what to do. That's the truth. (laughs) You're figuring it out. You're trying to figure out what that cry means. You're trying to figure out what walking looks like or trying to teach them the ABCs and getting frustrated or watching PBS for the million billionth time. It's frustrating, but over time, you start to learn how to support your young person. Mm -hmm. And then that language, which Sister Khadija and I have been talking about, that language that goes beyond words, being able to model behaviors and start to read, read your children, read each other and have a partnership. That is unschooling. In its simplest essence is that you're unlearning all these things together. And if you are starting this journey, the home education journey for the first time, you have to shed it. You have to shed the things that you believed in the sense that whatever you believed is the only way. There are multiple ways Mm -hmm. and you don't get a slap on the hand because something didn't work out. I would much rather recognize that something didn't work out and explore other avenues than to stay in something knowing that it is harmful, knowing that it is not showing up in a way that is not serving not only myself, but also my children. Mm -hmm. So I include them in the process, ask them, what are you interested in? What would you like to learn? And I know, you know, screen time, media, all the things that kind of plague and trigger parents around, well, my young person will just watch TV all day. Screen time is a blessing and a curse, Mm y'all. And screen time is multiple mediums. We're on screens right now. Right. (laughs) We are on screens right now. So how do we discern what one learns from media? I think media in and of itself has just as much of a benefit as book work. We need to see it. And learners are different. Each young person is going to take on a concept based on their preferred learning ways. And it's not just one way. In certain areas, they may need more structure because that's what's called upon because of the topic. But in other areas, they may not need that same type of support. Our job, as far as I'm concerned in this work, is being able to recognize that, that it doesn't need to look the way we want it to look, but how can we support them and not them just having all of the say. I I know many times within unschooling, it's you just let your kids do whatever. No, that's not the case. I'm still talking about respect. 
I'm talking about autonomy. I'm talking about commitment and accountability, but this is a partnership. So even with boundaries, I acknowledge and recognize and support my young people's boundaries, but they also recognize mine and we speak through it. That is all part of the learning process. And all of those subjects, the core subjects, it's gonna show up inadvertently. How will you hold space for it? Math, maybe there's a workbook here and there if they want, but most of our motions of going through that is at the supermarket, y'all. They do the budget. They create, they do inventory to be able to decide what food we need. So we talk about food supply scarcity in certain neighborhoods. We go in, we examine supermarkets and see how products are being displayed in certain neighborhoods versus other neighborhoods, what's available in certain neighborhoods. So then that opens up the conversation on redlining. Like we, it's an opportunity to really take everything that you're doing and just go a bit further within your comfort, but it's all there if we are willing to explore it and accept the fact that it is not going to look like grades A through F. There is no preset benchmarks. Post-secondary, I don't know what's happening there, but it's in shambles right now. And it's going to be for some time with standardized testing being put on hold for at least two years with certain places or just not at all. These are all things we worried about as parents. These are all the things we're thinking about. And especially as Black parents, we are thinking, I want to make sure that my child has X, Y, and Z. At the end of the day, we want happy, healthy, successful young people. That's what we want to be in it, who are in a space that they can advocate for themselves, that they can spot the knot, if you know what I mean, that they don't always need us because we have already created the foundation so that they can go out and even if they fall because they will because we're human they know that they can come back to that foundation at any point whether i'm here in physical or i'm not that, i'm just I'm, I'm realizing that i'm supposed to be the host too <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm like, yes, I'm part of the church. So <laughs> in, in closing, if we were to encapsulate everything that, you're, that you are saying in response to the question on what the barriers are, what, I have, what I've heard is that um, there are many barriers, but the, the overarching barrier is sometimes our reluctance or our inability or unwillingness to disconnect from these paradigms that have even led us to deciding to homeschool. And so that barrier mm -hmm. in our mind um, sometimes impacts our ability to optimize our home education experience, whether we call it homeschooling, whether we call it unschooling, but understanding that we have the ability exactly. and roles to create a vision that does not have to replicate what we have taken our children out of. And yeah. Yeah. Don't be scared, y'all. Yeah. I mean, it's, or be scared, but still do it. Right. right? Understand and, that and fear is okay and it's human. Yes. I liked when you said that. Fear yeah. is human. Yeah. And we, 
we're going to be afraid and scared and all of that. That's that yeah. uncomfortableness, but yeah. we push through it. Yes, please. And, and know that you, you have support. I mean, you can always reach out to me if you want to set up a private session. I do offer those for folks who are really exploring this work and you want coaching through it and we'll talk about it, but I'm going to treat this, those coaching sessions, no different than I engage this learning practice where I'm going to put those prompts to you to sort through because it's not about me having answers. We've gotten so used to wanting the answers, the wiki how of to do anything where we lost sense of our own ingenuity in this and that it isn't going to look perfect. There isn't always going to be a syllabus to this. Sometimes it's an effort kind of day, y'all, and you need to check out that one day, that one week or whatever time you need. Is that really going to be a make or break for the future of your child? If they do not do that particular assignment when someone said they should, will that really make or break their future. Many times we're just sitting in that moment and we don't step back and say, this is one moment in time. How many times have we fallen? I've been fired from jobs. I've walked out of jobs. I've walked out of classes. I've done all sorts of things. Our children are doing it too. And it's not about their age. It's about, should they really have to wait until they're 17 to have these experiences to know and understand what body autonomy is, to be able to speak up for themselves. If we're going to handhold from zero to 17, then expect them to be able to vote for the leader of the free world. Also, how can they effectively do that if we've been coddling them? And then we release them into the world thinking they got it because maybe Maybe we hope that we modeled the behaviors we wanted to see, but perception gets in the middle of that. If y'all think about being at a carnival and you know those crazy mirrors that distort your body, when you look at the, when you look at the mirror, that's how young people hear us when we're speaking. So even though we have the well intentions and we come with all of these gems and nuggets, how they're hearing us, how they're perceiving us, is where that barrier is. So we have to figure out where we can meet in the middle somehow so that our children understand not just our focus point, but what's behind the focus. And we have to be vulnerable to communicate this is what's going on. Not, I'm pulling you out of school, that's it. There's no conversation. Let me explain why Mm -hmm. this is what it is. Let me explain the harm that it has existed and continues to exist in these spaces. And right now, I would like for us to open up this opportunity, not only for you to be able to really embrace the joy of learning again, because we're all born as natural learners. Mm -hmm. Something happens Mm -hmm. over time where we lose that. And we think of it outside of things we want to do. We think of it as work. And I have a saying, If I'm doing anything in that moment and I'd rather be doing something else, I'm actually doing work at that time. Mm -hmm. But this work isn't work at all Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. Mm -hmm. What a wonderful way to to (laughs) close. Um, 
And I think it's um, for many who are coming to this broadcast um, newly beginning their homeschooling process or with questions or even um, those who consider themselves seasoned home educators to hear that mm -hmm. during your process that there, there was this evolution. I think that all of this is meaningful for them to hear. And I thank you so much, Malika, for um, sharing your wisdom and your insight with us today. For those of you who are watching, mm -hmm. um, we'd like to thank you um, for being part of our teaching. And we hope that you will continue to um, watch the sessions and you will choose to participate this Friday, July 24th in our breakout sessions where we will be virtually meeting with you. Hopefully Malika and our other speakers will take part in our breakout sessions to answer questions that you may have of speakers individually, but it's also an opportunity for you to share and to dialogue with us. What are some of these topics that you're hearing come up um, that resonate with you, that you want to discuss more, that you may have resources or um, information to share with the group. That is what the breakout sessions mm -hmm. are for. So we thank you so much for being part of this session today, for watching. For further questions in the agenda for this teaching, please visit us at blackfamilyhomeschool.org. Thank you so much and have a great day. Mm -hmm.